Creatures of the Night, welcome to episode 148 of Talk It Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio, I am one of your co-hosts, and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night. He is the only straight-edge podcaster in the history <laughs> of this podcast, Mr. <laughs> Travis White. <laughs> Travis, you know, you, you straight-edge and all that, and, you know, I, I'm not, you know... But I thought I was tripping watching some of this stuff for this show because there's some wacky, weird, crazy stuff that happens during the build. There's some wacky stuff during the match. Jimmy Wang Yang gets involved in the pay-per-view. I I literally could not believe we went from what we watched last week to whatever this is here, talking about Breaking Point 2009. It almost seemed like it was Breaking Bad, right? <laughs> it might as well, you know? <laughs> well, it's kind of like, how do you follow up a great movie? You know, like, I don't know, Batman Returns. You put out Batman forever, mm. and it's awful. <laughs> you know, it's not the worst thing ever, because it can get worse with Batman and Robin. But, you know, it'll never live up to that. So this that's kind of what they did here, you know? It's a pretty dang great analogy here as we talk about Undertaker versus CM Punk. Because in your head, just like Batman Forever, you're thinking, oh man, I love Batman. This is going to be great. And, you know, we love Undertaker. We love CM Punk. You're thinking, this is the first time these guys have ever met. This is going to be really cool. And, well, we'll get to it here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Break Bad 2009. (laughs) The first, last, only Breaking Point pay-per-view <laughs> yeah. here uh, on Submission. I wonder why. Yeah, uh, well, we'll get to it. <laughs> submission match-based pay-per-view uh, right in the heart of the era of all these themed pay-per-views. And, you know, if you'll remember, that takes place in September of 2009. We last left off in April of 2009 with WrestleMania right. 25 arguably the greatest wrestling match ever <clears throat> wwe if you're listening uh, <laughs> so you can tell there's a lot of ground to cover uh so we're going to take this time traveling hearse all the way back to april 2009 tell you how and why we're going to jump all the way into that september pay-per-view here and you know if you've been a fan of undertaker if you've been listening to this show for a while you know the undertaker likes to cash in his pto after a hard work in wrestlemania season and that's basically what happens here uh right after uh, the pay-per-view uh you know we talked i'll go ahead uh, you know it's something that like ever since brought lesnar's come back in 2012 he's been accused of every year he has all this stuff and sporadically there and then he, he leaves after mania and comes back for SummerSlam. We've kind of seen that since like 2004 or five ish, you know, like on and off. But with Taker, I just didn't. I guess it didn't occur to me back then that that's kind of the same thing he did, you know. 
But looking back with it now, it's like, oh, yeah, he had the same Brock Lesnar schedule for like the summer months, basically. <laughs> yeah, 2011 is when it really starts taking like, yeah. the year off, you know, yeah. just, just having the WrestleMania matches. But he's going to take a few months off here, um, aside from a couple matches that we're going to get to. Uh, but just a couple news and notes. We're going to try to fill you in uh, on, you know, the... You know, the WWE, obviously, that machine's going to still keep moving. So a couple of important things that are going to come into play. Uh, number one, you know, last week we talked about how Vicky Guerrero was bouncing between both shows as the general manager. Well, on the Raw after Mania, she becomes the permanent GM of Raw and announces also that we're going to have our annual WWE draft next week. And then on SmackDown on April 10th, our old buddy... Teddy Long, holla, holla, holla. He is going to get reinstated as the general manager of SmackDown for his second official run there. And uh, we love discussing him. Welcome to SmackDown, player. And so it's good to have him back. You know, he's going to have the Undertaker's, uh, you know, he's going to have his uh, his needs. <laughs> what am I trying to say? He's going to have him at the forefront of his mind. Yeah. He's going to prioritize the, his number one man, the Undertaker. Um, Absolutely. Well, he'd been without him for a while. He was on ECW, wasn't he, with, for a little while? Yeah, with with Tiffany. So, yeah, so he didn't have, you know, his number one guy. So, no, number he one stunner. So he <laughs> He's glad yeah. to be back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he gives Undertaker the night off here on this SmackDown after that sure. hard-fought match and after he nearly broke his neck uh, against Shawn Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then on Raw on April 13th, that big draft episode, you know, I'm pretty sure... Ever since that first initial draft, The Undertaker was never drafted at any point besides right. going number one to Raw on that first draft. So he's kind of untouchable here. Uh, but a lot of other pieces move around. It looks like here from your notes, Travis, it looks like the entire show's basically flip rosters here, man. There's like they really do. 20 guys and, and gals that switch. Um MVP, Big Show, Triple H, Miz, Matt Hardy, Kennedy, a lot of those guys we've talked about here on SmackDown. They're all going over to Raw. Uh, sadly, Hornswoggle and yeah. is going over there. <laughs> Chavo is, uh, you know, he's been a thorn in Undertaker's side a little bit. But coming to join Undertaker on SmackDown is going to be his brother Kane. Uh, Chris Jericho, who we're going to talk about here in a little while, or in, in a couple weeks. Uh, Rey Mysterio, yeah. we'll talk about in a couple weeks. Uh, Ricky Ortiz, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about him a ton on this show. <laughs> um, I think he got released shortly after that, if I'm not mistaken. I would say so. The thing about a lot of these is a lot of these guys, they moved, and then, like, they didn't even appear, and then they would just move back on the other show or move to ECW. It was kind of funny going and kind of researching all this and then seeing where they actually wound up. But yeah, by all means, continue. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say also the uh, the sadly uh, departed us recently, uh, Shad Gaspard, yeah. along with JTG over here at Crime Time. You know, we didn't, I don't, I don't even know if we actually mentioned that on the podcast uh, when that happened a couple weeks ago. I think it happened right after we recorded and we didn't get to it and that something like that but obviously yeah. uh not a guy with any real interaction with undertaker but uh i know you and i both definitely enjoyed seeing crime time especially those initial vignettes and all yeah. that stuff. they made us laugh quite a bit we talked about them back in our 2006 when we were there talking about that uh episode we went to to raw with our old young life leader and mm-hmm. uh those vignettes were showing and he was like well, these guys are great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, what is it yeah we really enjoyed those two. 
those two guys. So we did make fun of them at the Royal Rumble doing rock right. scissors for for the Rumble spot, and then Shad got shafted. I think and yeah. JTG got in there. Yeah, I think that may have even been that may have even came out right after he died. Like we'd recorded yeah, it. And then I think so. It came yeah. out right after he died, something like that. But obviously. Uh, very, very tragic, sad situation. Our hearts go out to his family with everything going on with that. Uh, but then the big news would be CM Punk coming over to SmackDown, and he's going to be the subject of tonight's episode. Uh, so that's what you need to know from that. Basically, ECW got the uh, the Brones like Kozlov <laughs> and uh, Zack Ryder going over there to SmackDown. So we talked about how quickly Kozlov has fallen and there's another point to it right there. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, every week we've been talking Raw and SmackDown here on the show. And, Travis, you actually have the privilege of talking to us for, I believe, the only time ever uh, as far as this incarnation of WWE superstars coming up next. Yeah, not to be confused with the one back in the day, but, you know, this is a apparently a short-lived uh I think it was syndicated on, or I guess it was on WGN America. It only lasted about two years, and I remember this happening. I remember this match happening, but, like, I don't know. Did we get WG? I guess we did, yeah. but I don't remember. Um, It wasn't a big, I don't know. It's kind of like every new show they get. Like, it's like they put out a lot of effort into it for about mm, five weeks, and then they just turn into the C show, the D show. So Yeah, I think but, WGN was like rebranding, kind of like that. Yeah, I think so. You know, TNN becoming you know the Spike. national network, and then it became yeah. Spike and um, all that sort of stuff. I think WGN was trying to do that, so it was like a big deal. They paid a bunch of money for the yeah. WWE show, and then they put some top guys on it for like two weeks. Exactly <laughs> like that, basically. Yeah, yeah, but it was about two years, and then again, really no storyline development there. Or anything. It was just uh, it was billed as the only show you're going to see all three brands appear, which we all know. Is not true. <laughs> We've been seeing it every week. <laughs> yeah. This draft they just had doesn't matter at all because they're going to just flip back and forth. But that's that was the selling point to get people to tune in. So, But a really cool piece of trivia, though, is that The Undertaker is in the first match of the very first episode of this new reincarnation of WWE Superstars. So it's April 16th, 09, and you have here and your notes that you remember watching it. So. I do remember watching it, like you said. You remember when it came out, and you know, as I've said on here before, like that '92 to '95 era of WWE is like yeah. my sweet spot for a wrestling nostalgia. So I love watching these old, old, old superstars episodes on the network. So just right. the fact that they were going back to the superstars branding made me excited nostalgia wise. Then, uh, but yeah, I remember watching. So I remember Taker being in the. Uh, I was going to say main event. He's in the opening match, um, which is important, too. That's the first impression you're putting out mm-hmm. on this network. So, um, obviously, 19 years into the company, they're still using him in yeah. that role, man. It's pretty cool to see. And that's that's what I was going to point out is just like, you know, you don't – that's the first the first guy you see. He actually comes out first. You know, he makes the entrance. So, yeah, it is really cool to put all their – kind of all their eggs in that basket, uh, putting your best foot forward here. You know, and, again, this is his – his first appearance since that match with Mania, you know, and they're yeah. actually playing off the storyline there. He's going to take on Matt Hardy, and it's a neat little match here. It's pretty good, you know. Uh, I mean, he, basically it's a squash, you know, but, I mean, Matt Hardy gets a little offense in. But, you know, it, he starts targeting the neck uh, of Taker because of that dive. They're just going to build that into the storyline. I'm sure that wasn't 
the storyline going into that match. But uh, coming out of it, that's what they choose to to go with, and it's going to play into the next few weeks. But um, Hardy basically bails on the match and is going to go lose by countout, and his brother comes uh, in from behind him, and I think they just had a stretcher match maybe on SmackDown mm-hmm. before this. Yeah. yeah. You know, Matt had beat him at Mania, and then I think he beat him at – stretcher match too yeah jeff hardy does a swanton to the outside yeah onto a stretcher it's really and like bounces off of it yeah Yeah. it's terrible so but um jeff comes from behind tags him and throws him in the ring and basically and then matt hardy eats a choke slam to make the fans you know basically happy at this first episode of superstars when he does the shakespeare pose and that's how we open the show so again like you said putting your best foot forward there with undertaker not some new guy not cena even you know it's the undertaker you know so maybe because he kind of has that name recognition from the old version of superstars one of the only guys that still can carry that you know well i guess the only guy that would have been there back then yeah i mean like him so. and sean basically and, yeah the sean two guys. Been. yeah but you know it shows you the undertaker's spot in the company yes. right here they they don't go with sean they don't go with cena or batista or triple mm-hmm. h undertaker is the top guy right here so yep. pretty neat here as uh, the first, last, and only time we'll talk about this incarnation of superstars, uh, as far as I can tell on here. But fun little bit of trivia, uh, fun thing to go look at if you yeah. haven't ever seen it or you haven't seen it in a while. Easily accessible on YouTube, uh, not yeah, on the network. Not, yeah. Weirdly. Yeah. They have the ones from like 2011, 12, and 13 maybe on there, but they don't have uh, this incarnation of ones yeah. and they were on WGN. So I think they brought it back on like wwe.com or something for a while and then then they uh i think they they still still film it for like overseas stuff maybe main event that's right yeah Yeah. i remember when that came out in like 2000 maybe 11 or 12 and that was a great show for about a month it was (laughs) they had some great matches on there yeah really good stuff but anyway Well, we do get another good match on SmackDown yeah. uh, April 17th, 09. This is Taker's return to SmackDown since WrestleMania. Uh, let me reiterate that. This is Undertaker's first match on SmackDown since WrestleMania, right here, April 17th. Just want to okay. Just want to be clear about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, and he's facing somebody he faced a couple months back a few times, heading into Royal Rumble, Shelton Benjamin. Sadly, not much has changed for Shelton, as once again, he's going to get that jobber-style entrance already in the ring, (laughs) facing Taker. And this is our first look on SmackDown at our new commentary team. As we talked on last week's episode, Taz had left the company right before WrestleMania. (sighs) And, you know, we've had our complaints about Taz, but I'll take Taz any day of the week over Tool Grisham joining JR on commentary. (sighs) ESPN's finest, man. Sure. <laughs> Dude, this guy. Yeah. He is I'd rather listen to a skateboard it's than this a, guy. It's not a great next few months here. <laughs> no. But this was another solid match with Benjamin and Taker. Uh again, Taker lets Benjamin get a lot of offense in, but of course Undertaker is gonna defeat Benjamin for the third time now with the tombstone to keep his momentum rolling after WrestleMania and once again just want to point out we've had multiple pay-per-view matches with Heidenreich and Mr. Kennedy and Luther <laughs> Reigns. We couldn't think out one pay-per-view match with Shelton Benjamin out of 19 years at this point. Like uh, it's just upsetting. He's been there for seven years. <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah, we, 
Yeah, I know. It's is sad. He's just the he's SmackDown like mini feud guy. I don't understand why he couldn't have been, you know, had a storyline that culminated in pay per view. Even if he's going to be on the losing end, who mm-hmm. cares? Why could it not have been one of those pet projects of Vince's? Just goes to show though, like Vince just loves these guys and puts them up against Taker. And whom I mean, heck, we almost had Hayd Vanson instead of <laughs> instead of Benjamin. So. Shaking my head. Ugh. But Benjamin does like work on his neck the whole time, which is kind of cool. So he does yeah. play into the play into the storyline that was, you know, like I said, literally planted in the floor back at Mania. So um, well, that's going to take us yeah. to the next week's SmackDown. European which vacation. You will never guess where this is from. <laughs> <laughs> never guess. Yeah, European vacation. What was the Smack the, the um uh what was the new Spider Man movie called? Oh, Far From Home. We'll call this SmackDown Far From Home. <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll call it. So uh, this is from the O2 Arena in jolly old London, and we got the double-decker bus and the phone booth and the Union Jack, so that's how you can tell, just in case you were an idiot. <laughs> it's so, so ridiculous, man. I know. It's like, oh, man. Like, when they go to Canada, they put, like, a big old thing of syrup and, like, <laughs> like giant, I don't know, like a bunch of snow and a moose. Like, they don't do that. And they, I don't know. It's just so, I wish like, they would. myopic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well... Usually they pull out some great shows in London and they got great crowds. Well, this night, this these fans are treated to the never-ending story of Big Show versus Undertaker. Unbelievable! <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's a short straw man. Again, this is after the draft, but the, I guess the draft picks don't like take like I don't know. They don't set in place until like two weeks later. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's so they never really know what they're doing, but anyway, this is Big Show's last night on SmackDown before he heads over to Raw again. He was a heel against Taker, then he kind of turned quasi babyface before Mania, and then he was a heel Mania, and then he's back to full blown heel again here. And who knows what he's going to do once he's on Raw? But again, he's like, you know, I'm gonna. Uh, it's my last night. He basically puts over that punch he's got and says, you know, I'm going to turn out Taker's lights tonight, you know, and finish off what I started last year. So Taker comes out and uh, Jr. does, you know, recall their feud from last year and talks about the punch and everything. Oh, he like does. That. He remembers it when Undertaker's huh? coming out. He remembers it when Undertaker's coming out. Yes, he okay. does remember it when Taker's coming out. Yeah. All right, that's that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, he he does call he does recall it at that point. But um, I'm not going to say he has uh, short-term memory loss or anything because <laughs> this match goes on, uh, for, in my opinion, way too long, man. It's oh like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. It's so long. I think I fell asleep like, in the middle of it and woke up uh, and it was still happening. <laughs> I, well, I think JR did too because he's <laughs> going to make a comment here. But, yeah, it's another basically boxing match like they've been having. And I just, you know, it was fine sometimes but just when you see it so many times it just gets up it just winds up being lame so show winds up missing that punch twice and then he finally is able to take her to hit take her with it he kind of pulls it's kind of a neat thing he pulls him off the ropes when he goes for old school and punches him in the head neck area or whatever and taker's kind of struggling to get up and finally makes it up and big show nails him again right in the back of the neck with that punch again and charles robinson decides to call the match uh, by you know knockout and he's going to protect his boy Undertaker there and Taker's finally able to get back up on his feet and he's kind of got his hands up asking for more like he's ready to go he doesn't know what's happened you know he's not aware that he's been knocked out and Jr says that I have never seen anything like this which again he recounted 15 minutes ago that they feuded last year about the punch and now all of a sudden he's like. I have never seen- 
He so. was at ringside. He was the one doing commentary, man. Yeah, I know. Exactly. We we watched this. The they did this exact thing. Yeah. With exact thing. <laughs> with him knocking him out and Undertaker struggling back. I watched this. Yeah. <laughs> Six this months ago. Copy and paste. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he can't remember it here. So I think it's like it's almost like he got ahead of himself earlier when he came out. And was like, oh, crap, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> hey, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, Dagger does a good job selling it, the devastation from it, but he winds up, uh, Show comes around, tries to punch him again, and Taker ducks and throws him out of the ring, and Big Show's kind of laughs so his way off of SmackDown onto Raw. And, uh, after that, man, Taker's going to cash in that PTO, man. He's going to take a take a little brief hiatus and cash in on that greatest wrestling match of all time. So It's so odd. You'd think, okay, I guess we're getting another Big Show Undertaker mm-hmm. match or something here, but nope. Undertaker is gone, disappearing mm-hmm. uh, until SummerSlam of 2009, which, you know, could you find anything about what's going on? Like, I didn't know With Taker. what specific injuries or what mm-hmm. exactly was going on here. I couldn't find anything in the dirt sheets and on the website since I was trying to look and see if there's anything that was specific. And I don't, again, unless if Marty Elias was telling the truth on that podcast we talked about last week, you know, maybe he did, you know, have a fracture in his clavicle and just needed time to rest up or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, but I couldn't find any specific surgery or anything that he had at this time. So, but yeah, it's kind of. I guess that dive kind of worked to their favor because they play into the whole neck injury thing and then Big Show punches him in the neck, so maybe they're going to explain it that way that he's taking time off. So whatever. Sometimes they got to turn chicken whatever into chicken salad. So, <laughs> well, if any I'm you not guys... saying Big Show's chicken salad, but... <laughs> <laughs> if any of you guys out there listening know any more info about it, definitely hit us up. Uh, but uh, throughout the summer is going to be really the rise of CM Punk and the rise of the straight-edge heel version of CM Punk. Uh, he won Money in the Bank at WrestleMania for the second year in a row. And at Extreme Rules 2009, uh, Jeff Hardy is going to defeat Edge in a ladder match to win the World Heavyweight title. And CM Punk immediately cashes in, hits the go-to-sleep twice on Jeff to win the World Heavyweight title. So that was... The start of the heel turn, it wasn't quite a heel turn, but right. him and Jeff Hardy have a feud, and that's where CM Punk really dives headfirst into this heel character. Um, it's the precursor to the Straight Edge Society stuff that he's going to start doing later on, but he's still solo here and um, really leaning in. You know, he's always talked about being straight edge, but he's really yeah. leaning into the preaching to the fans and, and belittling them for all their drug and alcohol use, all this other stuff. Um, as you put in your notes, it's kind of a redux of what he used to do in Ring of Honor. He's kind of mm-hmm. working that into what he's doing here. The, the, the cool thing about that straight edge gimmick is you can play it either way. It just depends on which parts you want to highlight. You could highlight it as try to be like me i'm i'm an outstanding citizen you know i don't drink i don't do drugs you know i'll be your hero bob or you can play it as the i talk down to you because you don't do these things it's so great i really love the there's two sides of that one same character you can play up and you know when like when jericho came back in 2012 and they feuded he was the punk was a baby face right. as a straight edge guy you know but meanwhile here he's the heel and i just remember this era this is i'm already have moved to nashville and um, this is the summer of, uh, you know, before I get married and 
remember watching this stuff when I could. The p- people I was living with, they're how a DVR, and I'm watching. This is when Donald Trump bought Raw one night. They <laughs> had all the guest G- They had all the guest, the guest GMs, GMs that summer start. and everything. <laughs> yeah, I remember that summer. It's very vivid in my mind. But I remember just like being so excited that Punk, you know, Punk and Hardy. I just we, both of us love those two guys and just seeing them trade it. And I was really excited for Punk to go to go heel he'd only been a babyface for three years there you know so and you can just see we'll get to you can see how much fun he's having and i always prefer him as a heel he's just better at it um i, I love him as a babyface but he's better as a heel because he can he, he is a heel he's natural he's a, man he's seeing punk he's a heel yeah it's like randy orton he's so much better as a heel because he's just that's who he is but um anyway we'll get to more of that but yeah really reminiscent of his ring of honor stuff some of his tna work there too but um yeah good stuff we're, we're gonna get into it more here and the stuff with jeff Hardy, it goes back to what we said last week with michael's undertaker it, it works because it's real like yeah it's yeah you know it's a little bit twisted i you know punk i'm sure would not really you know treat jeff Hardy like such a jerk and talk down to him that way but you know punk is you know we know he's straight edge and we know that's important to him and jeff hardy we know his troubles and you know it's jeff hardy trying to overcome those things but punk is being a jerk about it and thinking you know lording it over him thinking he's better than him so it's the kind of perfect foils for each other here Mm -hmm. um because you know it all it all works in together so well They're, they're bringing reality into it um which is where SummerSlam 2009 comes into play. They are the main event, which is pretty cool. Um, so good, yeah. Punk and Jeff Hardy in a TLC match. If you've never seen this one, definitely go back and watch it. I, uh, I we watched it. I, I, I for the finish, obviously, but I just rewatched the match because I hadn't seen it in so long. And it, man, it's it's a really really good match. It's a very good. I just feel like it's an underrated TLC. Like people don't talk about this one. People don't talk about this one or the Flair and. Uh, Edge one, I don't think. Those <laughs> yeah. good TLC and the Undertaker Edge. Undertaker one. Edge, one. yeah. Yeah, but on. this one, man. And the fact that these two guys got the main event, the SummerSlam. I mean, this is the biggest event of the summer, right? I mean, seriously, this is second to WrestleMania as far as your main event. And you got these two guys, you know, I just I loved that at the time. Again, I've only been married for what, almost two weeks here. Um, that's it. So um I wasn't really Catching this one at the house, uh, my wife wouldn't <laughs> let me watch pay-per-views uh, right now. But I remember reading about it and watching clips online and when I could. And then uh, finally seeing the match in, in full eventually. But I just really love this match. And I love where it's going to head here, too. I'll let you talk about it. Well, Punk, he does win the match here. Uh, kick or punches Jeff off the top of the ladder and pulls down the title. And He's standing over Jeff Hardy's fallen body, celebrating with the title over his head. And then the lights kind of flicker for a second. And like CM Punk, the the announcers don't even say anything about it. It just happens. Mm -hmm. Seems like it could just be something in the arena. Uh, It's real subtle. But then they go out. And when they, we hear the gong and the gong hits again, lights come back up and we've never really seen it happen like this. This was a little bit different, uh, so mm-hmm. I, I liked it. Jeff Hardy, who was under CM Punk, is gone, and Undertaker is laying down in between CM Punk's legs, right where Jeff yeah. Hardy was. And CM Punk is just like kind of looking around, and then he looks down and sees Undertaker there. Demon! 
Taker sits up, goozles Punk, hits him with a massive choke slam, and uh, does the Shakespeare pose in the ring. He walks up the ramp. Punk is selling in the ring, and Taker does the patented look over his shoulder, raises his fist up as his music plays. His pyro goes off, and we get a glimpse into where we're headed next. But, yeah, like you said, really... uh, <laughs> we'll get to our match that we're talking about, but man, go watch this match <laughs> instead sure. and watch this angle uh, at the end. Cause it's really fun stuff. Yeah. And before we started recording, I mentioned to you that I was really, I enjoyed a lot of this buildup and I think that I need to reiterate or re- rephrase what I meant. I meant I liked revisiting this time period because I liked the stuff that happens before our buildup, I guess reliving the Jeff Hardy and CM Punk. So I just, I have very fond memories of these matches between them and, just seeing them finally get to be in the main event. And, uh, you know, I know Jeff had already been there for a cup of coffee, but just really getting to see these two guys that we really cared about so much uh, get to main event, a big pay-per-view like SummerSlam was really cool. So, but yeah, we're actually on to our, you know, taker stuff now. So can bring us to SmackDown uh, August 28th. So this is the week of the SmackDown after SummerSlam. So, and uh, CM Punk comes out and gives us his victory speech and, he, you know, actually, he comes limping out of the ring for a promo, and they call him as they're going to continue to do. Ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce to you the new and only Straight Edge World Heavyweight Champion in history, C.M. Punk. Which is just perfect heel stuff. I mean, just keep it going. Just shove it down our throats. I hope they do. So, great stuff. And he says, you know, it, we, we see clips of the final moments of the match, and then he kind of gloats about, you know, I told you I would beat Jeff Hardy at SummerSlam. He says, but in case you all were too intoxicated to remember, and that's when we see the footage there. So I love that he takes these little digs at the audience, you know, about them being too intoxicated or whatnot. So he boasts about how amazing he feels, and, you know, he's got all these aches and pains from the tables, ladders, and chairs, but I don't mask the pain with painkillers like you people do. You know, he's just putting himself just berating the fans and Jeff for taking medication and stuff and says that he was robbed of his moment of glory by Taker. And we see footage of Taker choke slamming him after the match at SummerSlam and says tonight, you know, I'm being forced into a steel cage match uh, against Jeff Hardy. It's all unfair. And you always fear what you don't understand and you don't understand straight edge. And he's better than all of us. Just really gloating, uh, putting himself up uh, on a pedestal. So Jeff limps out, they go back and forth. Punk gets some more digs at Jeff's drug abuse problems and, uh, says, you know, this place, you know, basically like an old Western, this place ain't big enough for the both of us. <laughs> right. So we got two gunslingers in the ring here, and they've both been through a brutal match. And, you know, says one of us doesn't belong in WWE anymore. And Punk then proposes a old classic loser leaves WWE match. And Jeff's like, you're on. So Teddy Long comes out, makes that official. He says that, you know, the winner of this match, you know, the loser's going to leave WWE. The winner's going to defend the title against. Uh, the Undertaker at a new pay-per-view called Breaking Point, where every main event match will be the submission match. So he announces that the opponent's going to be in a submission match at Breaking Point, where he will face The Undertaker! Yeah, there we go. Teddy's back. Teddy's back. He's got Taker in a prominent position. So this match does have some stakes. You know, the winner, basically, Taker's your number one contender no matter what. And the loser leaves WWE. So, anyway, this match, again, I want to recommend this match, too. It has nothing to do with Taker, but I love this main event. 
Uh, it's fantastic. It's the end, the culmination of the Jeff Hardy punk story. It's the culmination of Jeff Hardy's uh, WWE career up to this point. You know, he had left a little while earlier and gone to TNA for a couple of years and come back. And he's been here for, I don't know, going on three or four years now again. And uh, his he, he actually loses to Punk. And Punk, uh, you know, is going to defend that title against the Undertaker at breaking point. And Jeff Hardy gives a really long, a really good going away speech and says, you know, it's not goodbye forever. It's just see you later. And there's literally people crying in the crowd. It's so, so good. I mean, these little girls, adult men, adult women, <laughs> little kids, like crying because they know this is, if you pay attention to the internet, you know, this is real. Like he was not resigning his contract. He was going to go kind of heal up. Uh, that's what he alleged. Well, we'll see what actually happens. Some type of healing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but a really cool heel move here. He goes up to the top of the ramp and CM Punk comes out and nails him from behind with a world title. And uh, this is when Jeff leaves for the next seven and a half years, not not to return until uh, WrestleMania 33, which you and I got to watch that together here at my house. So uh, really cool stuff. I, again, I recommend the CM Punk Jeff Hardy stuff. Uh, really, really good. Well, we think he might return on September 4th, 2009 here. Cause it's true. We get Love a great stuff too. <laughs> great video package celebrating Jeff Hardy's career. And it ends with clips from last week and punk knocking him out at the end of the show. But then Jeff Hardy's music, no more words. May I clarify here? Uh, not does not apparently doesn't exist in 2020. They don't have the rights to it. I don't know what's going on with it, but he says he's supposed to get it back, but he hasn't yet. He hasn't so. yet. We'll see a backlash. Maybe he'll have it. Well, that music and pyro opens the show and the crowd cannot believe it. They were yeah. crying last week and now they're crying tears of joy this week. And, Jeff Hardy, quote unquote, comes out and he's doing his dancing and what, whatever it is that Jeff Hardy does, he's all his crazy movements, got his makeup on, full gear. But the crowd, the announcers, us watching at home, we soon realize, wait a second, that's not Jeff Hardy. That mm-hmm. is CM Punk in a full on Jeff Hardy cosplay. And this is a all-time great SmackDown moment. Very, very memorable here. I mean, he, Punk commits to it. He has all of CM Punk's move, or excuse me, Punk has all of Jeff Hardy's movements down. And these are some of the all-time great reaction shots of people yes. in the crowd. You know, we always talk about Miz Girl mm-hmm. and the shocked Undertaker face guy and Brock Lesnar guy. Mm-hmm. There's one kid in the crowd who has hair like you and I had in high school. Yeah. <laughs> it's He's just so a mad. sour look on his face, man. Well, it's awesome because, like, kids are literally high-fiving when Hardy's music hits yes. earlier. They, they show kids and moms and dads, like, high-fiving, like, yeah, he's back. And then, like, this happens, and they're like, like I said, that shaggy-haired kid is so mad. Like, this is, <laughs> this is, this is wrestling. This is pure heel heat. This is what you do. Is it low-hanging fruit? Absolutely. Sometimes that works. It's perfect. The crowd is giving an actual reaction. They're not disliking uh, CM Punk for anything that has to do with backstage or you know something he said on social media. This is Dre's character, and they are hating him here, and I love it. And they're not booing him because they're like smart, like oh, okay, he's right. the bad guy. We're supposed to boo him, like. These people are legitimately mad, yes. which yeah, exactly. it's like the 80s, man. Like, yeah, exactly. take, take that turn, and these people are legitimately mad. Like, yeah. if this was the 80s, he would have got 
bottles thrown at him oh, in the yeah. ring. Um, Socks full of coins in his head. <laughs> well, Punk, you know, he amps it up. He sells it perfect. Did you expect somebody else? Well, he's gone. So like a junkie waiting for his or her next fix, I suggest you all soak this up while you can because this is the last time you will ever see a trace of Jeff Hardy here on Friday Night Smackdown ever again. He wipes off his ridiculous face paint, takes off his stupid armbands and says... He knows how completely weak these people are, but at least now they have a straight edge champion to look up to. And, you know, he's preaching to them. He says he's going to pull them up from their terrible lives. And he's not going to miss a show because he's drunk at the airport or skip a WrestleMania because he failed a drug Mm. test. Whoops. Cutting deep here, man. (laughs) Yeah. And it says he is the choice of a new generation, which is one of his catchphrases here and a Pepsi reference. Uh, which works for CM Punk. Yeah. And then he's going to move on. Move on to talking about The Undertaker here. He boasts about being back-to-back Money in the Bank winner, retiring Jeff Hardy, being the only straight-edge champion, and says The Undertaker, he invites Undertaker to come test his breaking point. So, pulling a big show here, using Mm. the pay-per-view name as a pun. (laughs) But Punk's not afraid, man. He says he'll be waiting for the lights to go out, the Undertaker to surprise him. He knows his games. He knows Undertaker is here, so Undertaker can come face him man-to-man. But Punk says he knows it's not in Undertaker's best interest to face him man-to-man. He's a guy who likes to play psychological games. See, all it takes is a couple of mirrors and some smoke to make you all believers. Smoke being the operative word. You know, I can I can imagine you all sitting on your couch, vegging out, smoking your illegal substances, hanging on the Undertaker's every magical trick, ooing and eyeing at all his spooky powers. But what the Undertaker fails to realize is that unlike you people, my mind is clear and strong. It hasn't been polluted with barbiturates and poison like beer and cigarettes. Punk says Taker's never faced a man like him before. He has no breaking point. And it's all really good. It's also all really long. Like, uh, I I enjoyed it, but it also kind of gave me... Punk was kind of giving me, like, Triple H 99, 2000 vibes here just because some of his promos just... They they were very long. Uh, I'll just say that. Uh, and they were good, and I like what he was doing, but I just kind of wish Matt Hardy, who comes out next, I wish he'd cut him off maybe a minute or two early. And uh, you probably disagree with me, Travis, but uh, just watch that. I, I get that, kinda... but I just I just love this stuff, man. I, I couldn't get enough of this, man. Yeah. I, I can see that for sure, but I just, I don't know, man. Sometimes when a heel tells the truth, it's really cool to watch him and to watch the fans give a great reaction. Like, I just... I was reveling in this actual heel heat that he was getting. That's like, it was great. It was good. I loved, I loved yeah. the beginning of it. And then it just kind of, it, this was like a, one of those never ending segments for me because Matt Hardy, he comes out, he interrupts Punk's promo, yeah. and um, he 
he does, thankfully Matt Hardy does not get on the mic. He just heads straight into the ring and takes down Punk, defending his brother's honor, uh, the brother that he tried to murder and <laughs> right. had a blood feud with six months ago. They've all yeah. made up. But uh, He takerized him in a twist of fate at yes. WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, you know, that's that's blood. You got to defend your blood. So he uh, they're going to brawl and they're, they're going to face later on tonight. And JR, remember when I remember when we talked about earlier on this episode, Travis Undertaker competing on WrestleMania past, past competing competing on SmackDown past WrestleMania? Yeah, twice. Shelton Benjamin and Big Show. Yes, <laughs> JR, who was at ringside for both of those things, <laughs> maybe he failed a drug test or something. I don't know. He's <laughs> flubby dubs all over the place and says tonight. I just, I couldn't believe uh, it. This is a taped show as well. They could have edited that in post-production. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Fluffy's earlier too. He's we, uh, talking about, Punk's talking about he's got a vice, you know, and he's got one vice. And, right. Uh, he, he says, it's more like, an, it's, it's, it's not the monkey on your back. It's more like an anaconda. Ooh, that's his, that's the anaconda vice. JR's like, oh, I wonder what his one vice is. I'm like, bro, he's <laughs> You. Do you watch the product? <laughs> Do you watch it? What are you doing? Oh, poor JR. I love him, but I sound like I'm healing on him. But it's just some of these are just so blatant. It's so annoying. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, Punk, he runs up to Teddy Long later on and whines about Matt Hardy interrupting his promo, all hopped up on something. And <laughs> Teddy says they need to settle in the ring tonight. And Punk's cool with it uh, as long as it's not for the title. So that's going to be our main event tonight. Punk and Matt Hardy facing off. And then speaking of somebody who doesn't watch the product, uh, Teddy Long is backstage in his office, not watching the show that he's the general manager of. He's watching the rise and fall of WCW DVD. <laughs> something he could be doing at home or on the plane or in the hotel or something. But you, you run a two hour show. During these two hours, you're choosing to watch the rise and fall of WCW. Hey, man, he just booked a match with Matt Hardy. He's got to take a chill. <laughs> yeah, he's watching it during the show. It's great. <laughs> I don't blame him. It's a great DVD. I, was, I love that DVD. This uh, <laughs> yeah. man interrupts Teddy, and I, he should have just fired him on the spot for not paying attention to the show. <laughs> been back for like three months. Watching, not even watching the show. He's fired people for less. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, Ted, uh, Vince does hijack the DVD and throw it in the trash. Um, a product that Vince McMahon himself released. It's <laughs> making money off of. Want to make money off of? He throws it in the trash. Uh, <sighs> he congratulates Teddy on getting rid of Jeff Hardy, and then pats Teddy on the back about the breaking point concept for that pay per view, and then they argue about their suit colors for like two <laughs> minutes. And, what color Vince's jacket is, if it's salmon or pink. And I was just, again, I thought I was high watching some of this stuff. Tape it's show. so weird. <laughs> they, what is it? point of any of this? They felt the need to put that in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tape show. It's not live. Uh, so uh, good. Uh, yeah, I don't know what, what happened. Uh, uh, yeah, I got nothing, man. Um, 
I just want to point out also uh, John Morrison and Rey Mysterio have a really great match for the Intercontinental title on this show. Is this the one you were talking about yeah, a few weeks th- ago? Yeah, yeah it's, it's worth great. checking out. <laughs> uh, massive Tool Josh Matthews talks to Matt Hardy later on backstage. And uh, Hardy basically just says he knows Punk is more worried about The Undertaker, but he's not going to be after his title or his soul tonight. He's going to come after his health. And his well-being, his livelihood, and his career. Uh, trying to get revenge That's for it. his brother. Yeah. No <laughs> big deal. <laughs> MBD. <laughs> so they go on last main event. It's a good match. It's pretty long. Um, solid match here. Punk has got Matt Hardy on the outside. Uh, you talked about doing the Taker Riser earlier. Punk's about to do that, sort of, mm. to Matt Hardy and kind of slam his neck down with his head in a chair when the gong hits, lights go out, lights come back on, and Undertaker is standing behind Punk. Punk turns around and runs toward him, and Undertaker lifts him up, choke slams him through the announce table. Gets a great mm-hmm. reaction off of that, and Undertaker raises his fist and flames, and the pyro goes off as his music plays to end the show. So... Uh, very abbreviated build here as we go into the go-home show for this Breaking Point pay-per-view next week. You know, my favorite part about that chokeslam is that he did not clear the table off. He just chokeslammed and threw it, as if you would if you were really trying to hurt somebody. Yes. I like that. I'm like sure Paul told him, cool. don't worry about it. Like, I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, like you said, this is the go-home show for Breaking Point, the one and only Breaking Point. This is SmackDown 9-11-2009, so... Um, the Undertaker actually opens the show, comes out with his big old entrance, makes his true return to SmackDown here, and he's got you and I both noted uh, in, in our notes here. He's got like a, it's a new look, but it's almost a throwback, almost like a 1997, eight-ish uh, sleeveless robe. Uh, no longer has that you know leather trench coat with the hat on. He's just got that sleeveless yeah. coat, almost looks like he's out of medieval times, almost yeah. or super shredder or something. But yeah, the the arms are there's no sleeves on it and. Uh, show I like guns, man. Got to show those guns, man. Blazing, and I like that he's, you know, he's changing his yes. look a little bit. You know, that's one thing we've talked about constantly on this on this uh, podcast is that he does that. He reinvents himself, even if it's something subtle like that, or just little, or not even subtle, but just like a simple uh, wardrobe change is just enough to a get more merchandise and b, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you just. Notice that there's something different about this guy since he went away. So even his really, tights, really cool. man, like mm-hmm. he'll always have a slightly different design or color mm-hmm. outline Coloration. Yeah. on there. And, you know, you just don't you, you may not always notice it every time, right. but he does put that effort in there to yes. uh, not always. I'm sure he reused it sometimes, but it does seem like just about every pay-per-view. It's a little bit. Yeah. different. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as he's coming out, JR, you know, welcoming back to SmackDown, and he's got what you wrote in your notes here is the line of the night. And I I forgot about this, but he talks about Undertaker's Hell's Gate submission and said that 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 move would encourage Satan to move north. (laughs) 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 JR just redeemed all the other stupid stuff he says. To encourage Satan to move north. I just don't, I mean, that's just, that's it. That's, that's perfect. It, I, that's nothing to, there's no uh, <laughs> explication of say? that. Yeah, what else you can say? But uh, as you might imagine, Taker gets a great ovation from the crowd here. And he, he's going to cut a promo here saying that the, 
The sands of time have fallen slowly through the hourglass, but in two days I will reclaim the World Heavyweight Championship once again cast my shadow of darkness over SmackDown. I'm sure by now CM Punk is growing very tired. He says that Punk's growing tired of waking up at night consumed by fear because he knows he's going to reach his breaking point when he feels the wrath of Hell's Gate. So again, got to get that pay-per-view title in there in your promo on the go-home show. But Of course. take Yeah, absolutely. Taker says that submission is the only alternative to an eternity of pain. So just in case you're wondering, guys, I've lived with pain my whole life or we're going to submit to the hell's gate and move north with satan uh, but anyway punk he says punk when you submit and you will submit not only will you relinquish the world heavyweight championship but you will personally hand me your soul and thus the symphony of lies shall end so that's a little much honestly in this day personally and age personally hand him his soul <laughs> yeah. here you go sir Mr. Undertaker yeah. <laughs> surrender <laughs> Good day, sir. It's surrendered my soul. But, um, yeah, that was a little much. But, uh, like you said, he comes back in 1997 ish garb. He's going to go back to 97 with some of the uh, verbiage he's going to use here. But, like I said, he ends with this the symphony of lies shall end and uh, seeing Punk's music hits. And again, at this point, he still has the uh, this fire burns by Killswitch Engage, I think it was. So, uh, Which he I comes love out. that song. I mean, Color Personality yeah. is amazing, but. This song was great, too, for punk. Yeah, this was great. I mean, I like Cult Personality more because it's a recognizable song. But yeah, this song fit him to a T as well. It's great. Uh, punk comes out and says, Symphony of Lies. He's like, if that's not the pot calling the kettle black, I don't know what is. He says, I see you for who you really are. Uh, you're something so much worse because you preyed on these people's chemically influenced minds for almost 20 years. He said, you're like this generation's Alice in Wonderland. Which, I, when I heard this, I was like, where the heck is this going? <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> which... You know what? As a sidebar, my back when we got Disney Plus in November, mm-hmm. a couple weeks after that, we, we usually watch a family movie on Friday nights here at my house, me and the wife and the kids. Sure. Well, my son chose Alice in Wonderland, and I mean, have you watched that <laughs> since you were a child? No. It's wildly not. horrible and inappropriate and obviously <laughs> an acid trip. It's ridiculous, but if, anyway – a very merry unbirthday to all of you out there. But anyway, CM Punk <laughs> says, you're like this generation's Alice in Wonderland. He says that Alice in Wonderland took an entire generation of worthless hippies and led them to experiment with magic mushrooms and recreational hallucinogens. But you've created this self-destructive cycle because all these people actually believe in The Undertaker. You, They believe you can withstand any beating. They believe you have magical powers from the dark side that allow you to come back and vanquish any foe. But get this, they believe you actually have a chance at taking my World Heavyweight Championship this Sunday. So, I don't know, I like kind of where he twisted that around, but again, he's using his straight-edge stuff to talk about the drugs and stuff. But he then runs down a bunch of Taker's opponents, and like, you know, Hogan and Ric Flair, and says those guys that The Undertaker has defeated, but, you know, I'm so much stronger than those men, and I'm going to make you tap out. And says that these poor people just lost their hero, Jeff Hardy, now they're going to have to watch Undertaker tap out to the Anaconda Vice. And then they'll go retreat into a 40-ounce bottle when they see their poor Undertaker tap out. And he says, you know, they'll get a taste of it when he taps out Matt Hardy tonight. And then he says, you know, I'm begging you, Undertaker, do not interfere so I can give these people a glimpse of the world they'll be living in on Sunday. He says, you know, you'll be forced to join me and just say no. And he raises the belt over his head, which would make the dare people from back in the 90s really happy. Sure. Dare, d- 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 drug, drug abuse, abuse resistance, resistance education. education? <laughs> yeah. 
don't just say no. That was the shirts we all had. So back in elementary and middle school. So, but um, that's kind of his catchphrase here: is just say no. And Taker kind of feeds right into. It. He's like, and they'll finally all be forced to join me and just say no. The way I see it, you got something wrong. They won't be saying, just say no. But they will say, rest in peace. That's kind of the the end of that part right there. And then Josh Matthews is going to interview... Matt Hardy later on about his submission match against CM Punk. So why not? We got a whole pay-per-view built around submission matches. Let's give away one for free here. Yeah, got to have a free preview. Absolutely. So that's like having a Hell in a Cell the Friday before the Hell in a Cell <laughs> or something. So They did that in the Attitude Era. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they had that tag match. Remember that? Yeah, on which Raw was or whatever. awesome. But, yeah. yeah, it was great. But um. Matt says Punk's going to tap out to his own devices, and he'll be making it to breaking point. He won't be making it to breaking point this Sunday. Well, so I guess Matt Hardy's like, I don't have a submission. He's going to tap out to his own devices. He literally, he doesn't have a submission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> he tries some in this match, but um, yeah, he does. Man, I did not put this in my notes, but uh, I, I do want to point out something else that happens on this show that uh, is going to be important. Um, Vince McMahon and Teddy Long have another weird segment backstage, and this time Vince complains because Teddy, he's back being GM, but he doesn't have that picture of Vince up on his wall in his office anymore. He's got the picture Whoa. of Martin Luther King, but he's, he doesn't have that picture of Vince in there anymore. Mr. Long, Mr. Long, Mr. McMahon, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, sir. No, you're not. You're not good. So they talk about that for a while, and Vince is asking He's pressuring Teddy about his job, saying he's not doing a good enough job. And yeah, so Teddy promises, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna have a big surprise on SmackDown next week." And Vince says, "Okay, what are you gonna do at Breaking Point?" And Teddy's like, "I I don't know yet, but I'm gonna come up with something big that's gonna have everybody talking." So just keep that in mind as we go into the show. And uh, I forgot to put that in my notes, but it does end up being fairly important. Oh yeah, it's very it's very important plot point here as we build to Breaking Point. So. What's not too important is that Punk does make Matt Hardy tap out in any kind of vice. Another good match, long match, probably 18 minutes or so. But after he wins, Punk's, you know, he's applauded himself. I love when a heel wins and they clap for themselves. That's just, <laughs> that's like sure. William Regal stuff, man. I love it. It's great. So, and he holds the world title up. The gong hits, the lights go out, the lights come back up, and we see Punk still in the ring, but now his title is gone. It's not in his hands anymore. We see Taker up on the stage holding the world title in his hands, and he kind of holds it up and he looks at it rolls his eyes in the back of his head. So he's using those spooky mind games that Punk says he's not afraid of. And uh, it's all smoke and mirrors, but he uses them to uh, steal his title here and and hold it high as we head into Breaking Point. Well, yep, Breaking Point, 2009, first, last, and only September 13th from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Wasn't there a pretty uh, famous submission that took place in Montreal, like, like twelve years before this, um, not that I can think of. Oh no, not, nothing comes no, to mind. No, okay. no, nothing at all. That'd be well. that'd be weird if that happened. <laughs> yeah, um, why would you want to uh, you know go to the same well over and over again? 
Well, I'll tell you what, man. I, what do you think of this build? So, I love the CM Punk Jeff Hardy stuff. And, you know, I was telling you before we started recording, like, I, I kind of dig... I, I love this version of CM Punk so much, and I, I don't remember seeing these matches with Undertaker, so I'm excited at seeing them, but um, it's not the best, and we're, it's, it's kind of all an angle, more or less. It's not really a match. It's more of an angle, and we'll, we'll get to that as we get to the end here, so um, I don't know. It's it's the first part of a, of a longer story, first chapter of a longer story, but what do you think? I mean, I thought they did a pretty good job but with it considering and two how, weeks. Yeah, it's basically two yeah. weeks, yeah, because you know, they have the Jeff Hardy thing the first week, and then it's only two more weeks to the pay-per-view after that. So all things considered, I thought they made a pretty good storyline out of it, and sure. also the fact that they're being forced into this submission match concept. You know, Again, it's not the writer's fault, and it's not the wrestler's fault. It's whoever is coming up. With Vince. the pay-per-view schedule, <laughs> sure, and these stupid concept pay-per-views. Um, like you said, the only time they ever did this breaking point pay-per-view where they've got three submission matches that are going to be the big headline matches. Um, and I'm fine with a submission match if there's a reason for it. Like, yes. like a Benoit versus Angle or Hart and Austin from WrestleMania 13. Um, if you got guys that are known for submissions or there's like a great storyline going into it, but it's such a dumb idea for a pay-per-view concept. Like mm-hmm. the su- it's not like hell in a cell or elimination chamber. There's nothing sexy about a submission match. It's just like, okay, like that can be good if you have the right guys, but it's not just, Oh my God, I got to put my money down for three submission <laughs> matches. Well, that's the thing. The reason a submission match stands out amongst a crowd amongst a card on a pay-per-view is because you know well you think you know you're going to get mat wrestling you're going to get that that you know that i don't know that visceral those guys rolling around it's not going to be high spots and chairs and ladders and brawling in the crowd it's going to be two guys at their top of their game doing what wrestling is supposed to be it's you know it's emulating a fight you know, uh, a, a wrestling match, you know, with, with holds and grapples and stuff. And you think you're going to get that. So it stands out amongst the crowd. And, you know, they always say WWE is like a circus. It's got something for everybody. It's a, it's a variety show. Well, if you put the same skit on SNL over and over and over again, mm. or, you know, you're at a festival and you have the same band mm. play in a row, like, it's not the same anymore. You know, it's it doesn't stand out. You know, so if you do, if you, I don't know, does that make sense? Like, it's nah, just, it makes it doesn't total stand sense. Out anymore, that's a so. great point. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, they kind of stumble backwards into it with Punk and Taker because yeah. they yeah. both have really great submissions. So it does work for them. But you've also got DX versus The Legacy in a submissions count anywhere match. None yeah, of those guys I, yeah. have ever done a submission in their life. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the, yeah. They're known for it. We talked about Hunter and Sean both stealing the crossface yeah, randomly. Yeah, every once in a while. And, like, Sean stole the sharpshooter after 97 right. randomly. But, yeah, it's not, like, something that they finish matches with, you know, and stuff like that. And, yeah, what the heck is Cody Rhodes and DiBiase? I mean, that's – yeah. Yeah, you just, you you paint yourself into a corner. You're like, oh, we're going to have a – and, again, it's like breaking point. Everything's a submission match. Well, if it's a main event match, well – right. We're trying three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? 
it's just, it's dumb and I mean, there's so many other gimmick matches you could come up with to build a pay-per-view around rather than a submission match but um that's what they went for here and that's what we get going into this just have one exactly just, just make this have the submission this, match yeah, yeah this is the breaking point when everything right. else can be i don't know they have time limits that they actually enforce or yeah. something you know like oh this is the breaking point. this is the end you got to finish the match before this time because we know WWE hates time limits nowadays but that would have been something to give it stakes. But, yeah, the one main event is the submission match. That would have made more sense. That would have definitely worked better for this. But uh, at least we get on this show one of my favorite backstage interview segments of all time here. <laughs> Why don't you question. tell us about this, man? Oh, man. So Eve Torres is interviewing CM Punk backstage about his match with Taker. And Punk's like, you know, nobody gives me a chance against the spooky Undertaker. He says, you know, no one gave me a chance at the SummerSlam either. And I won a TLC match. And then uh, it says he got rid of Jeff. And he says, you know, and in less than three weeks later, Jeff got himself arrested. And which in a strange twist of fate, if you will, or twist of art imitating life and then life imitating art. Jeff Hardy literally got arrested, busted at his house with so many drugs and opiates (laughs) and steroids and was in the news at the time, like on TMZ, and I remember, oh, I remember seeing it on man. TV. Like it was, I mean, it was awful. Like he, I think, was his, was he married to Beth at that point? Are they dating still? I don't know. But, I don't know about all you that. know. Yeah, it was two God, days got, before this pay per view. Yes, two days. <laughs> oh, so God. I mean, two weeks they, after he got released, you know, right? Punk capitalizes on that and uses it as a heel here. I guess it was like one of those things like cats out of the bag, might as well use it. So, you know, Vince is always good for something like that. So, but, um, what a bad timing, you know? Like, oh, it's like great really timing bad. for WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic timing for them. But, um, yeah, this is it's drug trafficking charges. It's just, oh, man, awful, awful, awful. Uh, but anyway, then Punk says that the power of a straight edge life cycle can, uh, or lifestyle can defeat the power of the Undertaker. He says, you know, I'm not scared of anything the Undertaker can do. And as he says that, the lights like flicker off and Punk and Eve uh, kind of freak out and uh, the lights are back on. And we then the camera pans over and we see Jimmy Wayne Yang <laughs> <laughs> flipping the Excuse lights. Excuse me? On and off. <laughs> it's like white. Like, whatever you call those shirts nowadays, yeah. it's not okay. I don't know if it's okay to call them that anymore, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> he's in one of those, and like his jeans, his belt buckle, and his hat. <laughs> it's like, he's laughing. He's like, oh, my God, that was just too easy. <laughs> relax. Relax. Just messing with you. That was way too easy. What about your match tonight? Good luck, man. Because <laughs> if you don't know Jamie Wayne Yang, yes, he's like, uh, he, you know, he's a, whatever he is, Asian guy or whatever, but, like, he is so country. Like, he's from Georgia. He's like, from Austell, Georgia, where I yeah, lived for a few years. <laughs> yeah, he's so country. And uh, he just kind of, you know, extends his hand to Punk. He's like, you know, good luck tonight. He's kind of there to psych out Punk. And Punk shakes his hand and just beats the crap out of him. <laughs> just slams his head against the door and putting the boots to him. And Punk grabs the mic and's like, you know, I'm not worried about Taker, but Taker should be worried about me. And he walks off, and we just see the camera looking at Jimmy Wayne Yang, and I don't even know why that happened, but Again. I love it. Again, I thought I was high. Like, <laughs> what does this have to do with it? 
<laughs> no one has he hasn't been on SmackDown. No. He hasn't been a part of this rivalry. Why is he goofing on CM Punk? Like, why did he think yeah. that was a good idea? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's it was amazing. Crazy. Though. It was crazy. Yeah, it was great. Um, I forgot to mention too. The other thing that just made me trip out watching this pay per view was the theme song for Breaking Point is yeah. Not because I got high. It's not because I got high. It could have been. It's by Leonard Skinnerd in the year 2009. What? what a what? Like, a new Leonard Skinnerd song? I don't even know who Leonard Skinnerd was at this point. Like, who was still in the band in 2009? I don't recall anything about this, but yeah, it's, uh, it blew my mind when they was like, a theme song brought to you by Leonard Skinnerd. Yeah, I mean, who's possibly in the band at that point? Like, I don't know. Well, we just covered them on the Armageddon Watch Along. It's been nine years since they've done a, they've done a, a good tie-in. theme That's song. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but this was not an iconic song, whatever it was. Oh, it was man, something off awful. a new album, and it's terrible. So, there's a reason nobody knew who Leonard Skinner <laughs> was in 2009. <laughs> you go to the concert, they're going to yell, Freebird, not. Whatever this song is Not called, breaking breaking point. No, need, yeah. no, no point in even bringing up the name of it. But <laughs> yeah, main event: Undertaker and CM Punk submission match for the World Heavyweight Championship. And it is cool, man. For yeah, for guys like us, and, and, you know, a lot of people who are big CM Punk fans, to see him up against a guy like the Undertaker in a pay per view main event, man, that's a vote of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really cool thing that we probably never thought he would actually get to achieve. Yeah, and, and this much match goes over that DX match and over the Cena Orton match. That's the main match from Raw. I mean, those are Vince's boys. Cena, Orton, and right, DX. Yeah. I mean, and, and we'll take her, but like, it's just cool for Punk to see that. And it just shows the power of the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. You know, like, again, we talked about him opening up superstars. Here he is closing the pay-per-view. He's He's an icon, man. He's the phenom. He really is. So, but um, the opening video of this pay per view is highlights those three main matches I just said, and has so many awful puns about breaking point and yeah, take him to the limit and all this stuff like that. But you know, like I said, this is the main event, and we're gonna get uh, for the first time on Talking Taker here. We're gonna get uh, the commentary team that you mentioned on SmackDown. We're gonna get Tool Grisham and and Jr. Yep. You're welcome. (laughs) Add them to the list of commentary teams we've covered here. Uh, Punk is going to be out first, uh, which is interesting. He's the champ, but Undertaker is going to come out last after him. Uh, Punk, the announcers are really putting him over, that he's the underdog. They're really hammering it home, saying basically he's got no chance here. No one has ever made the Undertaker tap out before. Um, He's maybe the champion, but he's the major underdog here. And I noticed this as I'm watching the match come on. There's only 20 minutes left mm-hmm. in this show when Punk is making his entrance, which is already pretty short for a main event match. But also considering we've got an Undertaker entrance coming up right. that we know is going to eat up a lot of time. So you know something's up here. Yeah, you know it's going to be fishy. Uh, something's happening. So. And again, I think this show winds up being like two hours and 50 minutes. So, you know, some of them had gone 215, 220, like this one's pr- fairly long pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, there's only 20 minutes left in the show when he, they start coming out. So, you know, it's going to be a long time there. But, man, I tell you what, though, watching Punk come out, he comes out and he goes, man, this place sucks. I just love seeing him <laughs> say that. And like, 
I look. I, I think the reason I'm I'm almost looking at this match and this build through rose colored glasses because I'm watching CM Punk enjoy his heel persona so much. Like you could tell, you know, he was happy to be there when he was a babyface and he was tagging at Survivor Series with Sean and yeah, yeah, the Hardys yeah. and and Dia. Like that was cool. Like for him as a as a as a fan, but like this is him really getting to cut his teeth in the stuff that he wants to do. You can tell he's invested. He's probably having input in some of his character stuff because Vince has mm-hmm. no idea what straight edge is. So, you know, probably making fun of him for that. So, anyway, um, it's just, I, I just really dug watching him sink his teeth into this heel persona. And I'm I'm biting on all of it because I'm loving watching this. Just him. So, like I said, I'm probably a little biased here going into this build. I'm, I need to go back and watch it again. No, I don't, no, I won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> But it takes, dude, when he gets in the ring, it takes like, we talked about how at WrestleMania, Taker did not make Sean wait. He cut off his music here. I mean, we wait for what seems like four minutes. Yep. It's, it's forever. Killing he time here, man. Yeah. Killing time. Yeah. Undertaker's music finally hits and he makes his entrance. This is not one of the cooler sets that we've seen lately. I guess they're really getting into the point where all the sets start to be basically the same thing here. Um, uh, but, it, you know, Undertaker's entrance is still cool, always going to be pretty spectacular. And he looks to be in fantastic shape. Mm. Another deep tan as he takes his robe yeah. off. And we get those championship-style introductions from Justin Roberts here before the match starts. Yeah, it really makes it feel like a big deal, you know. He gives us, the, like you said, the championship introductions and everything. And I just, I really dug... Um, this entrance because contrary to what we're used to seeing punk is not intimidated. Like he's not scared at first. Now, when you see Taker get in the ring, punk dips out again, right. that's perfect heel stuff. You put on this big face, you know, you put on this big show like, Oh, I'm, I'm a tough guy. And then as soon as you're faced with the enemy and the, the hero, you cower away. That's, that is, that's Memphis style. That's NWA. That is, that's wrestling psychology. One-on-one. I, I love that. So, Again, maybe I'm just looking through rose-colored glasses at the nuances of this stuff, but I, I'm loving these little things because Punk's a young guy here, but he's he's a veteran in his mind. Like he's studied this stuff. He's a, he's a student of this game. But, you know, a really cool camera shot too here as we see Punk on the outside looking in the ring at Taker, and Taker's just staring at him. And we just see that really, really cool camera shot over Punk's shoulder with Taker in the distance. And I just really dug that. And Taker takes his coat off, and JR's like – Hell has come to Montreal. <laughs> He's just, oh man. He's loving it. It's Satan has moved up north. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, the bell rings here, and Punk again doing more of what you're saying, dude. He immediately bails to the outside, uh, <laughs> yeah, and gets a lot of booze from the crowd and. He's going to make Undertaker chase him around, evades Undertaker with his speed, and Punk actually strikes first. Gets Undertaker into the corner with some shots. And I tell you what, this crowd is into this match. You know, there's not much to this match, but the crowd is responding great. Punk is getting a lot of big heat from the crowd. Mm -hmm. And then when Taker reverses and tosses Punk right out of the ring, uh, the crowd is into that as well. Yeah, you say he tosses him over the top rope right outside, and Punk is like shocked when he gets up at the power of Taker. And yeah, crowd's biting on it, and they're really digging it. And it's not just, it's not, we're booing you because you're in there with the Undertaker. It's like, we're giving you heat because you are a despicable human being. Like, it's really cool to see that, you know? Um, Punk quickly slips back in the ring, and Taker follows him, and 
Punk comes on him and just kind of, you know, playing from underneath. He's he's trying to capitalize on any anything he can get. And Taker hits a big clothesline, and uh, Punk gets in the corner, and there's more punches and headbutts from the Undertaker, and they go to the other corner, and Taker is holding Punk's hair, kind of like dirty, and he's punching him and punching and punching him and kicking. And they're going to just kind of – that's kind of what the match is going to be. So. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, as I was watching it, though, dude, Undertaker – towers over punk here mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. he makes and punk's not small like punk would make like an adam cole look tiny probably yeah but undertaker makes punk look mm-hmm. very small here it's just big disparity of size um thought that was interesting as yeah. um undertaker again he tosses punk out of the ring again knocks him down with the right hand the crowd is chanting undertaker and um they are working a bit on the outside. Undertaker whips Punk into the barricade, and I'm sitting here watching this, and I'm wondering why is Taker not breaking the count? You know, he's always so good about doing that. And then I'm like, oh, right, it's a submission mm-hmm. match, and yeah. I appreciate that Taker remembered that. He's paying attention yeah. to that. There's no reason for him to break the count. Um, he doesn't do that out of habit. He, um, you know, works to the style of the match. So kudos. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought the same thing when I was watching. I was like, what the heck is he doing? Is he being counted out? No, he's not. So, well, Taker knocks Punk down. The Irish whips him in the timekeeper area and runs at him and goes for a boot. But like you always point out, man, it's his kryptonite. He crotches himself on the barricade. Not even just the top rope. This is nah. on the barricade. So, <laughs> yeah, even worse. So, Punk comes at him and with a knee and then kicks him. And then Montreal is just giving him all this heel heat. And one thing I noticed about these fans, it's funny, like – when they boo, it's like really loud, boo, 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 and then it just dies. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's like they all stop, or like they're chanting like, Undertaker, and then they're all together, and it just dies. It doesn't. You don't have that. those people trailing off, and like a couple of little pockets of them are still chanting. It was really, it was almost just, I don't know, it was surreal to listen to. Interesting, um, yeah. It, yeah, if you guys are watching that are going to go watch this back, just listen for that, because it's really like they all are like in unison. It's very strange. I don't know if it's just the arena, or what, but like you don't hear those echoes and pockets of people, you know, those those latecomers to the party or the people that, you know, uh, are stragglers. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, it's, it's all here. It's all about it. <laughs> uh, Punk grabs a chair because uh, it's gonna, it's no DQ uh, and nails Taker in the gut and then in the head. Takes him, which was interesting. Um, I mm-hmm. didn't think they were doing headshots anymore, but he does yeah. hit him in the head with it. Taker rolls into the ring and Punk follows him, gets a knee in the corner and goes for that bulldog that Punk usually does. Uh, but Taker counters it and wrenches Punk's shoulder, starts working that over and goes up for old school. Uh, but Punk takes him out and blocks that. Yeah, kick his leg out from his leg and Taker crotches himself on the top turnbuckle and Punk goes up there with him and uh, they kind of struggle a little bit here. Uh, I mean, storyline wise, not. You know, not flubbing up the match or anything, but Taker knocks him off, and then Punk comes back with a huge, like, kick way up to Taker's head, man. I don't know how he got his leg up that high, but anyway, he did. And uh, Punk goes up and is going to actually hit a superplex from the middle rope on The Undertaker, which, again, we've seen that several times here, but uh, it's usually a much bigger guy or a guy that's, you know, been in the business for years, like Sean or Hunter or something like that or Randy Orton. But his, I mean, seeing CM Punk, superplex Undertaker was pretty cool to me you know and 
both guys are down, and Montreal is just doing the old school clapping. You're clapping when the guys are both down, and I just they're old school fans, man. I liked it. I did too. They were really into this year. Mm-hmm. Both guys struggled to their feet. Punk is striking first with some kicks, and then they go into the whole yay, boo, back and forth punches. The crowd is cheering with each one, and uh, as JR calls him, the diabolical demon of Death Valley gets the better <sighs> of Punk here. Starts rolling through his moves of doom, snake eyes, big boot, leg drop, signals for the choke slam, but Punk kicks Taker in the head to break it up. And then they're both on the ground, and Punk starts crawling towards Taker, and Taker locks it in. The Hell's Gate right there in the middle of the ring. Yeah, he locks him in Hell's Gate, and Satan moves north, and pretty quickly after he's locked in, Punk taps out, like like just taps on Taker's leg, I think it is, real quickly. Montreal pops, the crowds are going nuts, Punk rolls out of the ring, and uh, I guess we got a new champion, you know? Uh, we got you know Punk tapped out there, and Taker got has got the world heavyweight title, and he walks around the ring with it. And Jr. is like, "Wow, that was a quick victory." You know, he kind of goes on about how quick and out of nowhere that came from. And Taker's going to go for the Shakespeare pose, and then what? Wait a minute, what's happening now? Well, Justin Roberts announces Taker as the champion. <laughs> The referee, Scott Armstrong, holds in the belt, uh, but we hear Teddy Long's music playing. Uh, you think he's just coming out to give Undertaker a hug and uh, big yeah. throw him a victory party, but Teddy is on the mic and he says, I regret to inform you that the Undertaker's Hell's Gate submission hold was banned on SmackDown a long time ago by Vicky Guerrero. Unfortunately, that prohibition still remains. And therefore, this submission match will continue. And I just said, what? Yeah. He's been using that move since late 2008 with no consequences. At Mania against Sean. Sean got the ropes. He beat Shelton Benjamin with it. He used it in the Elimination (laughs) Chamber. He's been doing it. It's just one of those, you know, we can tell you what to and not to remember, you know, things. And it's just, I mean, I guess if you hadn't been paying attention, you'd be like, oh, it makes sense. But we have. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, uh, but they had to figure out something to try to make this ending, you know, screwy. Because, again, Mm. they're in Montreal. Oh, wait. Does this echoing back to Survivor Series 97? That's what I was getting to. Yeah. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's literally every time they're in Montreal, they have to do something like this. It's like the 197th time they've done this, man. Yeah, it is. So the match restarts. Undertaker picks Punk up for the last ride, but he slips out. And Punk takes out Undertaker's legs and goes for the Anaconda Vice, and just as quickly as the bell rang for Hell's Gate, the bell rings here, and I didn't see a tap out. What about you? I did not see a tap out either. The bell rings, like you said, Punk immediately. It's almost like a reenactment of Survivor Series 97. Punk grabs the title and dips out of the ring. Scott Armstrong dives out of the ring, scurries up the ramp. 
you know, Punk is posing at the top of the ramp next to where Teddy Long is standing. Teddy's just kind of standing there staring at Undertaker, just kind of not smiling, not having an evil grin on his face, just kind of stoically looking at Undertaker. And we see a replay, and we can see that Scott Armstrong called for the bell, but we never really see Taker tap at all. Nope. And JR points that out. Yeah, JR says, well, that was a judgment call at best, and that don't pass the old smell test. <laughs> and that, that made me think, you get... <laughs> Why not use another Leonard Skinner song for the same exactly. song as pay-per-view, man? Exactly. That smell, Ooh, baby. Ooh, that smell. <laughs> that could have come Can on over the end credits, that smell. man. Great, man. <laughs> so good. Uh, and yeah, that the show goes off the air. Undertaker's like mouthing WTF in the ring. Yeah. Teddy Long is just stone-faced standing up there. CM Punk is holding up the belt next to Teddy Long. You're, you just got a cliffhanger, basically. Mm-hmm. Very weird cliffhanger. Teddy Long, did he just turn heel? Uh, the man, he's Undertaker's biggest fan Right. have seen over the past few years. Why did he do that? What is the deal with any of this? Are Punk and Long in cahoots? So a lot of confusing stuff here. Um, and a, it's not a great match. Kind of, you said it earlier. It's really just a storyline. It's just an angle. Yeah. Um, you could you could just look up a YouTube clip of the finish of this match because the match itself it's nothing it's just killing no. time to get to this storyline that's going to play into the next few weeks. Yeah, it's maybe eight minutes and fifty seconds or something. I don't know where you count the match officially ending or starting back or whatever. I don't know if you count it as two matches, but it's not that important. But anyway, it's you know less than nine minutes. This whole thing takes, and um, you know, <clears throat> I love. The idea of the cliffhanger, I love this. this is just the first chapter in the story. Um, I love, it makes you tuned in. Like you said, what's Teddy Long doing? This is his boy. What's he doing? Like, this is echoes back to those Attitude Era, Monday Night War eras where, you know, maybe you'd have a resolution, but then at the very end, something else would happen to make you want to tune in for next week, you know? And uh, I, I dug that. It made me want to tune in to Nitro and Raw and see what's going to happen <laughs> next. But um, here it's like, I like it, but it's the freaking one-trick pony of Montreal. Like, why is this always the same thing they do? But I like that it wasn't definitive. Punk didn't get a win, Overtaker, you know, officially, and or I guess he did officially, but it wasn't like you know, uh, he didn't flat out beat him or make him tap, you know. And so I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the storyline here. I'm okay with where, where it's where we're headed, but I just don't like that one-trick pony. Like, think of something else. It's just lazy. In my opinion, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was fun to watch the Punk and Jeff Hardy stuff. And uh, if you're gonna go Love back it. and watch stuff this week, go back and watch some of that stuff and skip out on this. Um, and that stuff, like we talked about earlier, that stuff works so well because it's so rooted in realism and who those guys are. <laughs> yeah. And this this whole thing, again, it, it's good to have cliffhangers. I'm down with that, but it just feels so forced. Just doing sure, it just because exactly. you're in Montreal. Just having a submission match just because it's that pay-per-view. Why Teddy Long, I don't – this doesn't make sense at all for him to do something like this. It just feels forced. Uh, there's no natural inclination for him to do that. You don't buy it at all. So it doesn't connect and click in the same way as some of the stuff that we talked about last week. But 
you know, we're going to move on with it. We're going to see if they can connect the dots a little bit better as we keep this uh, podcast rolling, rolling, rolling on to the last ride. And we get to another gimmick pay-per-view in 2009, Hell in a Cell. The first time they're devoting an entire pay-per-view to that. So we're going to get Taker and CM Punk round two inside Hell in a Cell. See if they can have a bit more of a decisive finish and match to that one. Aren't they going to open the show, though? I believe they do, yeah. And it's only like eight minutes long, too, and I think it's pretty short. <laughs> well, well, we'll break that down next week, but yeah, I think they open the show, so that's funny. They close one show and open another, so anyway. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more positive here. You know, we love getting you guys' feedback on these matches, and we, of course, welcome your feedback on this one, but... We want to take you back to WrestleMania 25, last week's episode. A lot of great feedback from you guys on that one. If for some reason you skipped over that and are listening to this one, what are you doing? Go back go back to yeah. that, uh, one of our best episodes, uh, supersized episode here. Um, like I said, we loved hearing from you. Evan underscore John 97 said... Uh, Many people say WrestleMania 25 was their best match, the greatest of all time. I would say the sequel at WrestleMania 26 is the best with the heart-pounding emotions of knowing that either Taker's streak or HBK's career would ultimately be over. Uh, It'll be interesting when we get there, man. I think it's like 50-50 from a lot of fans Mm -hmm. on which one's better. uh, That's fine, yeah. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that one when we get to it in a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. That's following me. I say it's a pick match between that because, again, you, it, the one plays off the other, you know. You can't have the one without the other, I guess. So it's good stuff. At Joe Moma 619 Jordan said, I was there for both. <laughs> That's what? incredible, first okay. of all. Uh, and he says 25 is the best. So there's Well, a, there you go. Yeah, from someone who was there. That's amazing. Lucky, That's awesome. Lucky person. Did you say it was John Morrison? Joe Mo? Uh Joe Ma. Joe Ma. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was John Morrison. Might have been. Uh, Braun Strowman this weekend. Our boy Keegan Dimitrijevich says, greatest match I have ever witnessed. Absolutely. Um, uh, and, you know, we're going back and forth here. Different opinions. Philip Goad uh, said, not even Taker's best mania match with one of Triple H's Dang. best friends. And he had a oh. gif of Ric Flair on there. So he puts that one on top. Okay. Um, and a lot of people agreeing with the graphic I put up with the greatest wrestling <laughs> match ever in the background of this match logo as opposed to the Randy Orton Edge one. Um, Jeremy Bagley coming in with a uh, <laughs> great post of Heard Happily as Taz. Um, I didn't even notice this the first time I looked at the photo, but it actually has the SmackDown graphic yeah. in the background, and he's got... Taz's logo yeah. on uh, Perd Halfley's lapel on there. So Oh, he did some work to that, yeah. <laughs> he went the extra mile, man. <laughs> yeah. I just asked about him. I asked you. I said, have you heard from J-Bags recently? And there he is, editing uh, memes and stuff. And Yeah, yes, I Jim. love that. You came out of nowhere and dropped a Perd Halfley on us, man. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. Uh, we got some folks on YouTube commenting on our videos. Uh, Thomas Rodriguez always commented. Um, he liked our idea for the Undertaker tournament uh, to face him at <laughs> WrestleMania. Said they should do that more often. And uh, I guess Noah Smith, I think he just discovered our podcast because he commented on about 20 different episodes uh, in the past few days, man. So 
thank you, Noah, for listening and commenting on all these old episodes going through the archives. But I gotta say, fan of the week. That's gotta go out to Princeton John at Princeton John2, who said, Great episode, guys. Just wanna say thank you for creating this great podcast. With these uncertain times we're going through, your podcast, talking about my favorite wrestler ever, makes it helpful to get through everything going on. Keep up the great work. Got myself a Talking Taker t-shirt as well. So thank you, thank Princeton you, man. John. We appreciate that. We appreciate you supporting the show. And uh, it really does mean a lot uh, to hear all the feedback and uh, hear that you guys are enjoying the show and that anyone out there at all is listening uh, and much less that you're enjoying it. It's helping you get through these times. Uh, so uh, thank you for letting us know that. We uh, appreciate you listening. Oh, without question, yeah. If there's six of you listening or 600 of you, I don't care as long as it's, I mean, if you guys are getting something out of it and you're entertained, especially these weird times we're living in. So, um, yeah, 2020 is a weird year. We're glad that we can bring some uh, levity and some, some lightheartedness and some fun and, uh, you know, have some fun with something that we all know and love. And who cares if it's quote unquote fake? It's all fun. <laughs> I take that, that F word. It's fun, man. So we have a blast doing it. And it means a lot that you guys are digging it. And again, check out that bonus episode that we dropped with. Sam Ripley Santos. That was that was fantastic. I listened to that uh, before we posted last week's episode, and it was fun companion piece to that. I really really dug it. Uh, some people might call it nerdy. I don't care. It's fun, man. He he breaks it down. He gets a scholarly look at the matches, and um, I do love Randy Turco's response to that. <laughs> yes, Randy Turco posted a great response. We got some good feedback from that as well. Yeah to that episode a bonus episode on your feed in there the complete saga of wrestleman 25 through 28 how all those matches connect um looking at them you know pulling in some stuff from like beowulf and other uh things like that from a college professor who actually taught about these matches Mm -hmm. in his class so you know that one's evergreen you could go listen to it whenever it'll be up there on the feed um, it's a great companion to the Mania 25 episode, uh, or you can go back and, you know, once we get to all those matches, you can go listen to it. Um, you know, we didn't really reference it much in last week's episode, uh, cause it hadn't come out right. yet, but I'm sure we'll talk about it more as we go through these things and talk mm-hmm. about how all those matches build on each other. Uh, thanks to uh, Spencer for joining the show. He brought in a ton of stuff that... Um, man, I never realized or even thought about, and it is really, really uh, cool information. And you know, if you're listening to this show, you're probably a super nerd about wrestling and about sure. the Undertaker in general. So, I mean, this is just more meat on the bone for you uh, to go through. So, definitely check that out when you get a chance. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you all for your support, and just keep listening. We we love it. We love it. Absolutely. And go be like uh, Princeton John and go pick up a t-shirt at Tee Public or a tank top, a sticker, a mask. Uh, I will say I ordered a mask from Tee Public uh, about six weeks ago and I'm still waiting on it. <laughs> it, it says it's supposed to get here on Friday, on this Friday. Okay. So uh, we'll see. So it won't hurt my feelings if you don't order a mask, but go get, go get a t-shirt, you know, support the show. Yeah. and. Uh, uh, <laughs> you might be clear of COVID before we get you get your it's mask. It's not even here anymore. Water. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, cotton eye Joe. He's, no. Where'd you come from? Where'd you go? No, no, it is still wear your mask, people. Still wear, we're yeah. still in a pandemic. Still wear your mask. <laughs> oh, anyway, 
Well, check us out on all the social medias. It's at Talk and Taker, I think. I never do this part, but yeah. I figured I'd just Twitter, jump Facebook, in and say Facebook, Instagram, it. all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, jump on there, MySpace. There's probably somebody has one. Do we have uh, OnlyFans yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, I thought you were setting that up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> never. <laughs> uh, OnlyFans, that's so weird. Anyway, um... I've reached my breaking point, and we gotta quit. <laughs> if you were there on September 13th, 09, from the Bell Center, you know, I bet Kevin Owens was here. He, he talks you about going to shows right. at this, uh, at this, I, I'm not being facetious, like, I've, it, he really probably was. He talks about going to shows here, uh, and interviews I've, I've, I've heard from him, so... Uh, if you were there, we 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 would love to hear from you. We uh, we 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 we'd love to hear from you and this what you thought about these submission matches that don't even need them submissions. Uh, you know, but uh, this one, you know, kind of like you said, they kind of lucked out that these two guys have you know devastating submissions. And what do you think about this storyline uh, about the Jeff Hardy stuff about Jimmy Wayne Yang's cameo and uh, the way he's got you know sacrificed there to to CM Punk, but. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, keep listening and stay safe out there. And most importantly, take her easy. Turn it off. Turn it off. Mr. McMahon, how are you doing? How are you, sir? How are you I'm just watching this uh, new DVD, uh, The Rise and Fall of WCW. You know, I was there, you know, mostly for the rise of it. Somehow I doubt that. You, like, carry it around like this all the time? Uh, no, but I... You put this where it belongs. Well, there may not be room. I'll just take it. Thank you very much. Last week, how about that punk championship match against Jeff Hardy? And Jeff is out of here. Gone. Kaput. Way to go. Good stuff. And um, and now we've got uh, The Undertaker against Punk for the championship. And, and that's a submission match. Yes. Very interesting. Breaking point. Good concept. Thank you. And um, then you've got, um, why are you so conservative today in your dresses? Great business in white shirt. And you should jump out there like that, huh? Well, I you like the general manager, sir. In other words, I shouldn't be wearing my colors. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I just... Are you saying this jacket looks like Pepto-Bismol? No, sir. I'm not, not saying that. No. You could take some medicine for that. Yes, sir. Don't forget. Alright. I'll let you wear this one day. I'd be honored. If you're lucky. One these days. You've been lucky before. Yes, sir. I, I work for you. Good answer. I'll see you later. I'll go see if I can get lucky. <laughs>